spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Sandy Clef, Sean Rotar, our second and final hour on this football Friday here on Mile High Sports 98.1 FM. You can uh, listen via milehighsports.com slash listen, or you can watch us, milehighsports.com slash watch. Uh, we come to you via the Mile High Sports app as well. Our executive producer is the great Danny Bailey. And, of course, Dr. Rick Perry is sitting in for Sean Rotar uh, for uh, the next few days, even after his uh, appearance here yesterday and today, we'll have uh, Dr. Perea on with us Monday and Tuesday. Sean will return on Wednesday. Uh, one of our favorite guests coming on with us right now, Chris Thomason of the Denver Gazette, who covers the Broncos on a daily basis. And I'll tell you, Chris, uh, if breaks were going against the Broncos earlier this season, uh, during the time in which they were one and five, it's remarkable how things seem to have all of a sudden turned completely back the other way. And that includes the news today out of Cincinnati that Joe Burrow is out for the season with a torn ligament in his right wrist that will require surgery. The Broncos at the moment are half a game behind Cincinnati. They are half a game as well behind Indianapolis, the Raiders, and Buffalo, and they have the tiebreaker on Buffalo now, having beaten them on Monday night. And they play Houston here in a couple of weeks, not to get too far ahead of ourselves. Houston, the final playoff qualifier at the present time in the AFC at 5-4, and four, only one game ahead of the Broncos. How has this happened in less than a month? How has yeah, all this happened to the point in which the Broncos now uh, in most quarters are given a better than one in 10 chance of making the playoffs when they had a one in 50, one in 75 chance before? Yeah, it's uh, there potentially for the taking. I mean, prior to the Buffalo game, I was thinking, okay, that's going to be a tough one, but then they've got three straight potential winnable games, and uh, boom, they get one at Buffalo, and then now they still have the three potential winnable games. Uh, it's changed a little bit because Minnesota, without Kirk Cousins, it looked like a lot easier game a few weeks ago, and then we've seen what Joshua Dobbs has done. Right. And uh, Cleveland, even with revolving quarterbacks is coming off an impressive win at Baltimore. Correct. And then you just mentioned Houston, CJ Stroud is playing beyond his years, but yep. 
you know, all those games are um, still potentially winnable. And, uh, you know, they just need to get two of the next three, I would think. And if they're sitting at six and six, um, heading down the stretch uh, with ga- two games against the Chargers, another team yeah. they're battling, That's a right. game against That's right. uh, Las Vegas, a team they're battling, and then what, uh, you know, a game they definitely should win against New England. Sure. So uh, it's potentially there for the taking. It is, and uh, the Broncos are doing this uh, in part uh, with a team that's, as a lot of teams are, a, a bit banged up. And, of course, Kareem Jackson will be returning on Sunday night following a two-game suspension. Uh, even that seems well-timed given the injury sustained by P.J. Locke the other night in Buffalo. Yeah, you're absolutely correct. I mean, uh and, of course, talk about getting breaks. They got two huge ones against Buffalo with the pass interference call. Of course. Setting up the the kick, um, the field goal attempt. And then, of course, they get the second try, 12 men on the field. And P.J. Locke, yeah, that was a, a tough injury. He's been playing well. And uh, Delarian Turner-Yell didn't exactly light it up when he replaced him. But boom, No, but he did three. okay. He did okay. Well, regardless mm-hmm. – Kareem Jackson is back, and that yeah. originally was a four-game suspension. Right. And it's only right. two. So, uh, yeah, after everything was kind of going against them early in the season with, uh, well, Jackson's penalties hurt them, obviously, and losing tough games to the Raiders and the Commanders, things are kind of trending back. But what they need to do is what they've done recently is defend their home turf. They've got two home games in a row now and uh might be a good idea for them to try to win both uh that would be uh helpful if if they could pull that off particularly against uh, two teams minnesota in the nfc and cleveland in the afc as of right now two playoff teams (laughs) minnesota in the nfc and of course cleveland in the afc as i said uh tell us about russell wilson and what's been going on there and the improvement in Wilson's play, certainly not great statistical improvement, but less seems to be more. Was Sean Payton right all along in saying that throwing the ball less, exposing Wilson less often to the opposing team's pass rush would in the long run produce not only a more efficient Russell Wilson, but winning Russell Wilson football, kind of the football Russell Wilson used to play, especially in his younger days in Seattle. Yeah, they've kind of found their niche with Russell Wilson not throwing downfield much and uh, being cautious, one might say. But uh, that's been set up by the running game. I mean, 40 attempts uh, against the uh, Chiefs, 38 against yeah. the Bills. I mean, yeah. that formula is exactly what uh, Sean Payne wanted at the start of the season. I mean, we thought it would be Javante Williams and Samaji Pirine. Pirine's not getting many carries, but suddenly he's emerged as quite the uh, valuable receiver. Receiver so, more uh, than ball carrier, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so things have changed, but um, yeah, I think... Uh, Mr. Payton uh, is 
quite content. And, uh, I mean, even if they don't make the playoffs, I think if they can, you know, win eight, nine games, what have you, with the momentum turning around after a one-in-five start, that would bode well going into next season. And Peyton himself, a couple weeks ago when they were had a terrible record, brought up last year's Detroit Lions, who started out one and six. They finished nine and eight, didn't make the playoffs, but you've seen what that momentum has done coming into this season for the Lions. Uh, the best record right now in the National Football Conference, apart from Philadelphia, does in fact belong to the Detroit Lions. Hey, yeah, Chris. And, and Bobby Lane, I believe, is not the quarterback, correct? Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Hey, Chris, do- Dr. Rick Perea here. I-, I got a question for you. Um, Every every time I'm on each week, we talk about the mental side because that's what I do and have done it in the NFL for many years. And just in case you're not aware of, I was the Broncos psychologist when we won the Super Bowl. And so I really watch players and especially quarterbacks for their nonverbal communication. And I look at their relationships with coaches, quarterback coaches, offensive coordinators, head coaches. What I'm curious to see, ask you, what do you see in Russell Wilson as I call it, from the neck up. Do you think he's going to be a player that's going to be serviceable next year? Because, see, for me, I think this is the, the rest of the season is crucial for him because he's either going to prove to us that, you know, he has it from the neck up or he doesn't. Because, I mean, I think physically he's shown me, at least in the last three games, he can still run. You know, I, I was questioning it for a little while there, but he can still run. It just – he was getting coached – somewhere and i don't even necessarily think it was necessarily at dove valley he was getting coached somewhere to play the way he does and, and you and i probably know and sandy you know this agents play a big role in in players yeah. lives um but how do you see him from the neck up um is he a player that you think will come back next year and able to to lead these broncos going on yeah i certainly think so i think uh he probably learned a lot from last season, I wasn't covering the team, but uh, to use an old cliche, maybe uh, he got a little too big for his britches with all of his demands last year. Yes. That kind of humbled him, I think. And then yeah. now he uh, wants to, uh, you know, make a comeback. And um, I think he, even when he's not throwing for two, two, 300 yards a game, I think he's fine with that because, uh, he realizes that uh, the key is winning. And even when he was winning with Seattle, he wasn't putting up often, you know, crazy numbers. And nobody really, what people remember is his one loss record. With yes. Seattle. So yes. I think uh, put it all together. I think uh, he's in a much improved state of mind. And I think uh, it will continue. Let's talk about the injury report this week. And uh, maybe you can update us uh, on the status of Powers, uh, Ben Powers at left guard. If he can't go, you'd figure Quinn Bailey would uh, step in to take his place. Uh, P.J. Locke injured his ankle on Monday night uh, in Buffalo. And maybe uh, even more seriously, on the injury report, we have Marvin Mims with an ankle. Injury, outside linebacker Baron Browning with a wrist and knee injury. Um, This is Friday. What's your sense 
as to how many of those guys will be able to go on Sunday. Will all of them, some of them, or none of them be able to go? Well, the only player with an injury designation is P.J. Locke, who's out with an ankle injury. There's not even a questionable right. designation on those other guys. So right. they will be good to go. I talked to both Ben Powers and Jerry Judy today, and they said they're both feeling fine. Of course, the question is, are these injuries going to affect them in the game? Powers yes. didn't have the best of games against Buffalo. He did not. He, he said, you know, hurt a muscle in his foot, and uh, they wanted to rest it and, and heal it up. But he seemed pretty confident today. And then Judy told me that he was, uh, you know, running in practice and felt some discomfort yesterday, but he's saying that the hip is fine. So both are saying they're fine. And uh, as for the others, you know, I don't have any uh, in-depth knowledge on their injuries, but, you know, nobody's nobody's on the injury report uh, designated except for Locke for Sunday. Uh, it, this, this may seem like an odd question, but uh... – Word is that uh, the field at the stadium was replaced after uh, Air Force and Army tore it up <laughs> a couple of Saturdays ago, and this is the advantage in having well-heeled ownership, I suppose. Greg Penner had the grass replaced last year before the final game, but recently he's had it replaced again, and Sean Payton says it's fantastic. The field looks like a completely different field from the one they played on previously. Yeah, $250,000. That was the price tag. Pocket change uh, for these guys. (laughs) Yeah, you know, well, next week's Black Friday at Walmart, so they're going to make that back in a hurry. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, yeah, it's Uh, just just yet another uh, investment from the ownership group. I mean, they're going to build a new facility here. They spent tons of money getting the stadium up to snuff with the new video boards. So uh, the rest of the NFL, I guess, should be glad that uh, there's a salary cap because they can't uh, exceed that, as you well know. Uh, the, the defense in general, um, we're probably getting to it a little bit late in this conversation, but uh, the defense has been uh, so much better in recent weeks. Nine takeaways combined against the Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills, I know you can't count on taking the ball away four or five times every game, but against Minnesota this week, you still, Dobbs has been fantastic, but he's still been a backup quarterback uh, for for most of his time in the NFL. Um, it It wouldn't be out of the question if the Broncos can generate any kind of pass rush, then maybe they can take the ball away perhaps not four or five times, but maybe two or three times, and that could be the difference on Sunday night. Yeah, I see uh, two sides to that, having once covered the Vikings, having yes, covered them the last that's 10 right. years. That's right. I mean, one might think that Dobbs is going to return to reality but then again, I covered the Vikings in 2017 when Case Keenum took over at True. quarterback and everybody True. was waiting for him to return to earth. I mean, it actually did happen in the NFC Championship game, but not until then, and that earned him a huge uh, contract, as you well know, from the Broncos. So we'll have to see if things turn or not for Dobbs, but uh, 
it should be said that early in the season, the Vikings were the most turnover prone team in football. <laughs> They've kind of turned that around. Right. So uh, I'm sure the Broncos will be studying film from earlier this season when they had all those turnovers and uh, try to look for ways to, uh, you know, pull a Jaquan McMillan like he did on the first play against Buffalo. This is a question that I could only ask you, given your experience covering the Vikings and you were around them last year during Kevin O'Connell's rookie year as head coach. Um, He did a remarkable coaching job, though they did lose to the Giants in the playoffs. Uh, Getting there uh, was uh, very surprising. And I do remember that at one point last year, you called John Elway. And John Elway said if it had been up to him, Kevin O'Connell would have been hired as the head coach of the Denver Broncos for the 2022 season. Obviously, Nathaniel Hackett was hired by George Payton at the time, but you have insight on Kevin O'Connell that few, if any, people in Denver would have. Uh, It surprised a lot of people when the Vikings had lost Jefferson and then they lost Cousins. They've been unbeaten without Jefferson for five games and without Cousins for two. How much of that is attributable to the coaching talents of Kevin O'Connell? Well, uh, first of all, in the Elway conversation, he didn't quite exactly say it that way. I pretty much just asked him, what do you think of the job Kevin O'Connell's doing? And he proceeded to, on his own, volunteer. What a great interview he gave. And that it was nip and tuck was the words he used between hiring um, O'Connell and Nathaniel Hackett. But would it be fair uh, to say that if it had been Elway in charge, the nip and tuck battle might have gone to O'Connell? Instead yeah, of that. that that would be fair to say. And I think the Broncos at the time, I mean, you would have known the coaching search better than I did, but they wanted to get somebody hired while uh, teams had to wait on O'Connell. Since yes, the event. well, of Who course. Was on a Rams team yeah. that made the Super Bowl. Right. And the Vikings made it clear in their coaching search that they were going to wait and that they were going to exercise due diligence. And that's exactly what they did, they actually reached a deal with O'Connell before the Super Bowl, but uh, they kind of let the playoffs, you know, play out at least through the championship games before any decisions were made. But back to O'Connell, yeah, he's doing a great job. He's young, he's energetic, he just has a way to relate to players. And it was so refreshing last year when uh, he replaced Mike Zimmer. I mean, a couple of players that when Mike Zimmer was fired pretty much said that, you know, he wouldn't even say hi to you when he was walking down the hallway and that it was a fear-based organization. So they did a total turnaround with Kevin O'Connell, and he's uh, definitely the definition of a player's coach. Chris, you've been terrific. Once again today, as always, we thank you for coming on with us. Much appreciated. Hey, thanks. Thanks, Chris. Thanks a lot. There he goes. Chris Thomason covers the Broncos daily for the Denver Gazette and full of insight, and especially on Viking Week. We wanted to get him on because he covered the Vikings for a number of years under different coaching regimes, different uh, managerial uh, regimes. And what he was talking about at the end, Rick Perea, before we break, 
Sounds like culture by design to me Absolutely. with Kevin O'Connor. Yes. Yep. It has all the earmarks. All of the it. earmarks of uh, culture by design. We'll come back and we'll talk about CU's game with Washington State tonight. And at least by Deion Sanders' standards this week, humble words mm. coming from the Colorado wow. head coach. Words that I have never heard escape. The mouth of Deion Sanders uttered this week, perhaps for the first time. That's all coming next. Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar, presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. As we discussed yesterday during this program, Sandy Clough, Sean Rotar with Dr. Rick Perea sitting in for Sean, uh, not only today, but for Monday and Tuesday of next week as well. Sean will be coming back on Wednesday. Here on Mile High Sports 98.1 FM and, of course, milehighsports.com slash watch or slash listen, depending on your preference. We're available on the Mile High Sports app as well. Our executive producer, the great Danny Bailey. We were talking about this yesterday, uh, Dr. Perea, that this year when you look at uh, the University of Colorado football program, the different ways to measure success, measure failure. Uh, there were several points this season when it appeared that the critics were wrong about Deion Sanders. And more recently, it seems that the supporters of Deion Sanders have been more wrong than right given the results on the field, which you forecast months ago, mm-hmm. uh, when CU was 3-0, and in fact. Yeah. You said, come back to me when they're 4-7, and which they will be if they fail to win tonight in Pullman against Washington State. I think it's a winnable game. We'll talk more about that uh, in a few moments. But uh, Deion Sanders was asked this week, and maybe it's the question of the week now that we've settled the Texas A&M question. We did discuss that at yes. yesterday. He's not leaving no. for, for a variety of reasons, yep. but he's not leaving to become the next coach at Texas A&M. Uh, I think uh, uh, the Kansas coach, Leipold, yeah. uh, is very much in demand for all sorts of coaching openings around the country, yep. including Texas A&M. Yeah. And it would be a chance, frankly, for Leipold to get into the SEC and what coach doesn't want to challenge himself by coaching in the SEC. Uh, Leipold, as they say, has the receipts to prove that he's a a successful coach. He's done wonders with Kansas this year. They lost their quarterback early in the season, and they were going with second and third string guys at the position and still winning games. Now, they will probably get knocked off by Kansas State uh, this week, but the starting quarterback is a sensational player was the preseason Big 12 player of the year choice. He says today he's coming back next year. Nice. 
The team is so good. He loves the coach. Well, coach may not be there, but Deion Sanders will be at CU in 2024, for better or for worse. And here's what he had to say this week when he was asked, I think, the best question you could ask him right now. Do you consider this season, as of now, CU at 4-6 and six after starting 3-0 and oh, a success? Maybe a moderate degree of success? Or do you consider it a flat-out failure, particularly in the context of starting 3-0? and oh? And he began his answer with words I've never heard escape from the lips of Deion Sanders before. And you're laughing because we yeah. talked about this during the break. In answer to that question, he began by saying, I'm trying to watch my words. I have never heard Deion Sanders yeah. exhibit even a hint of that kind of humility. I yeah. have to watch my words. I have to be careful, in other words, of what I say here right. in answering that question. And he actually went on to give a very, very thoughtful, well-considered answer to that question. And it was kind of, well, in some respects, yes. In some respects, no. Mm -hmm. But he didn't go after the offensive line as he did a few weeks ago after the UCLA game. If he's made any mistake this year that I think his supporters would even acknowledge, it was going after the offensive line yeah. after the UCLA game. Guys, he obviously still has to coach this year. Mm -hmm. And may well be coaching again next year on the recruiting front. CU has earned a commitment from one offensive lineman. He's a three-star prospect, not a four or a five. And he is not ranked in the top 1,000 among high school prospects in America. It's tough to build an offensive line through the transfer portal, but they're going to have to take a crack at that next year. Again, if they hope to have a different offensive line. I think several people, and you have suggested this as well, got to him, particularly after that statement, said, you made a mistake. You can't say that. Right. You, you can't say that. But how about starting his answer, and we'll give the rest of it, but I'm trying to watch my words. Yeah. Is he learning some humility, perhaps? I have to watch my words here. Yeah, he is learning. He has to learn because – what he's put out before is mostly, in my opinion, propaganda. It's not rhetoric. Rhetoric is, by definition, rhetoric is you make a, 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 a claim and then you support it. You support yeah. it through anecdotal And that's evidence. the actual definition, although rhetoric even has a negative connotation for some people. It, it can on a connotative, but a denotative, the definition of it is, is stating a claim and supporting it. His position has always been that he does it with quotes, with sayings, with right. memes, with, you know, quotes from, from Vince Lombardi, things like that, yeah. which get people emotionally connected. And I get that. I understand that. That's cute. That's funny. But that doesn't. And well, that's Dion the marketer. Too. Right. But that doesn't build a football team. I mean, his offensive line is what's going to win championships, defensive line. The or front, lose games. The front seven. <laughs> yeah is really where it's at. And I would question what his ability to recruit those positions. Um, you know, He's done it, a little better, apparently, for next year with defensive linemen. He has a couple of four-star recruits. But as we said on the offensive line, 
not much to show on the recruiting trail at this point. Right. And, and you know, I wonder about what how he's going to recruit the state of Colorado. Right. You know, we got a Good school question. we got a school over here about 7 miles southeast of here that's you know, playing tonight by the way in about a little over an hour. Um that's going for his fifth straight you know, state championship and right. they and they got some players and they got they got a commit going up there and they have a freshman there. Yes. That's playing and right. plays on the offensive line. Yes. He's a center. Yes. The, um, the player whose name Dion forgot earlier this year. Although Dion, to his credit, did apologize to that player for forgetting his he did. name. He did. He did approach the player and say, hey, I'm sorry. Hank right. Zelinkis. Yes. Just so we get that yes. straight. Yes. But, you know, I, I think he is becoming more humble because he has to. It, it's kind of like Russell Wilson. He need, he's not egocentric because if he kept being egocentric, he wasn't going to be successful. <laughs> right. And Dion's right. realizing if right. I come up here and I talk like I did as a player, as a head coach, that's not necessarily effective rhetoric. With a that, lot of bombast. Yeah. And that's, that's Dion. Yeah. With, with mm. you know, as a player, as I did, that may get people's attention and excited, but that's not leadership. We just went over the five styles of leadership. And nowhere in those five would I put Dion in terms of, you know, where he not was. Not even leading. charismatic. No, I no, because it's not charismatic. Use your own words. Use your own knowledge. I mean, when I listen to him, people, because when I, when I make this statement, Sandy, I say I can poke holes in his communication left and right. And so people will say, well, tell, yeah. what do you, he doesn't support his suppositions. At all. He just makes claims. He makes declarations. And that's right. all he does. And he doesn't support them with even anecdotal evidence. Right. I don't see it. Again, as someone who's a trained PhD, I'm always looking for evidence, and I just don't see it from him. Communication skills are huge as a head coach. You're a CEO, whether it's college football, um, high, high school, or a pro. And your communication skills are vital, mm -hmm. Sandy, for leadership. And he would do well, and I'm not suggesting myself for this, but he would do well to have uh, an orator to work with him, a coach, to help him understand, yeah, you can bring that bombastic approach yeah. out on the field with players and encouraging them. Oh, yeah. But when you're in press conferences, you need to be an adult. You have to dial it back. You're not, yes. you're not coaching the media. Yeah. You're not Even though he has he at is. times <laughs> this year given the impression of trying to coach the media and presupposing – that well of course especially local media if not the national media should be on his side right we exactly. all have the same goal and that's for CU to win football games well that isn't the media's goal right local or national uh ed warder uh gave the best response to that after the tcu game on uh, the opening day of the season for cu when cu shocked tcu 45 42 in fort worth and Dion knew Ed Werder from his days in Dallas, uh, both his own days and Ed Werder's days in Dallas when uh, Ed was covering the Cowboys for ESPN on the beat. And he looked at Ed Werder and said, do you believe now? Because Ed yeah. Werder had yeah. on social media several months ago, early in the year, referred to Dion as a celebrity coach, and Dion took offense at that. I don't think it offense was intended by Ed Werder right. at all. But he asked Ed Warder, do you believe now? And Ed Warder's rapid-fire response was, 
in what exactly what? am yeah. I supposed to believe? Right, exactly. <laughs> that you're going to be four and six in nine weeks, right. ten weeks? Right. Uh, you know, that, that sort of thing. But I want to give you the rest of the quote here. Starting, and I give him credit for I'm trying to watch my words. Okay, so he, he's he's thinking before he speaks, which has not been his it's new custom this year, right? Certainly, the fans who fill our stadium every week at home, expect us to win. And he said, there's progress in that. And he's right about that because no one who went to the games last year expected them to win. You go to the games for different reasons, but expecting them to win was not one of those reasons. Yeah. Not one of those reasons last year. We know what the problem is. We've identified it. We have the aptitude to fix it. I'm pretty sure you see a better football team on the field each and every Saturday. Now, I would push back a little bit on that. I don't think there's been that progression week in and week out throughout the season, but I will say this. I thought the game they played against Arizona this past Saturday was their best all-around game since opening day in Fort Worth against TCU. Yeah, Wins or losses, I thought, yes, they lost by three points, but they lost to one of the top 20 teams ranked in the country right now in Arizona by three points. An Arizona team, by the way, that a little more than a month ago beat tonight's opponent, Washington State, 44-6. to in Pullman. Yeah. So I I don't know that I see a team getting better each and every week, right. as he said, but they were as good a team against Arizona as they've been all year, save for the TCU game, yeah. in my opinion, from right. start to finish. Yeah. They were in that game. It wasn't like being, you know, 30 points behind USC and rallying late to lose by seven, a game they never were going to win. Uh, it wasn't like, oh, um, what other game am I thinking of where they you know, come on late and fallen uh, short? Uh, well, at the CSU, they won, but yeah. they easily could have and maybe even should have lost that, that yep. game. <clears throat> and Nebraska, for the first 35 minutes of the game, that was a dead-even game. Right. I mean, they were up 13-7, but they were struggling to move the ball. Yeah. Well, okay, let me say this about Dion. Uh, you know, I, I want people to list, that are listening and, and watching to understand something. I Again, I'm going to preface it by saying I have nothing against Dion. I'd like to like him. I'd like to support him in any way I can. But I'm also going not going to be drinking his Kool-Aid if it's fool's gold. And, you know, I had a conversation with you a few days ago, Sandy, and I was I said, have you ever listened to him in a press conference when when the media asks him a question? You know, a, a reporter will be postulating a question, and they won't even finish their question, and he'll cut them off and start answering. He doesn't oftentimes let them even finish. And it's, it's his style of communication that I got an issue with because – there's no give and take. There's no, you know, his listening skills are next to nil. You wonder if he's listening to the question. But yeah. I think in this instance, 
he did listen he to did. the question. He did. But but like everything else, Sandy, it's not just you win on Sunday. Win consistently. I want to see him communicate like that consistently. Right. I want him to be able to reflect and you and be articulate and use rhetoric as opposed to propaganda. Because to me, early in the year, I, I, it's hard for me to even listen to him. But again, I have a trained ear. I have a trained ear for the difference between rhetoric and propaganda yeah. and what the elements of communication are. I mean, even the word aptitude, that's not an appropriate word to use. He should have said competency or accuracy. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. but again, someone's going to say, well, you're picking. It's, it's no. not the worst word to use, but it isn't the best word to but, use. But he's, he, you know what? He doesn't have the experience. Here's what I would love for him to say. He has not shown the aptitude to be able to fix no, no. anything because he he didn't he did build something at Jackson State that hadn't been there immediately prior to his arrival. But Jackson State has some decent football history. Okay, answer me this question: Who's Eddie Robinson's son? What's his first name? Is he junior? Remember he had an issue with Dion at the end of the game? Yeah, Dion went to hug him. Right. This was a while back. Okay. And but he went to hug him and Eddie Robinson Jr. didn't want any part of it and yeah. blasted Dion Do you know for why? not being uh a real HBCU guy, which was probably an ill considered remark on Eddie Robinson Jr. Who is he to pass judgment uh on whether you're a real HBCU guy or not? But still, uh yeah, uh, some things had happened. Some things had been sure. said. Yes. And Eddie Robinson, uh, perfectly uh, within the realms of good taste, just didn't want to accept a hug from Dion after the game when Dion's team had won big and may or may not have run up the score. Let, let me tell you why. Because I know Hugh Jackson, who's the head coach at Grambling, and right. I know a lot what's going on in the HBCUs. Yeah. Let me just say this. This is what Dion needs to say. You know what? We came in here. We have high expectations. We have high standards. We're going to work. We're going to compete. Nobody's going to outwork us. Right. I love I love these kids. I want to do everything I can to help them reach the top of their potential. I can't say when we'll win for sure, yeah. but we will work every week to get better and better and better. As opposed to this, we coming, yeah, we coming, yeah, yeah. we're going to win now. I just, but that's that doesn't pass it, it, the communication test. I, I agree with you. The first press conference, I thought he was brilliant because he did say some of those things. And then he started to get carried away. And now <laughs> the last press conference he gave this week, this past Tuesday, yeah. when he speaks to the media every week, and he was asked that question, it sounded more like the Deion Sanders I remember from the first press conference right. where he wasn't boasting right. as much. And he was saying at one point, we will win here, but it may take some more time than some people would like. And I always interpreted that as he was reminding himself more sure. than anybody else. Yeah. It may not happen as quickly as I'd like it to happen. Yeah. Or my ego would like it to happen. Right. But how about, you know, we're just going to work. We're going to get better. We're going to focus on yeah. process. Right. And the W's are symptoms yeah. of process. Right. Man, he says something like that. And the scholars in the world, the, know it, the people that know this game, truly know this game, and are not just rock star fans, or circus fans right. would really be supporting him because yeah. behind the scenes, yeah. true football coaches don't support him yeah. and what he's doing. Yeah. Tone down the rhetoric, make it really supportive and loving, and we'll we'll back you. But that this yeah. boastfulness, yeah. it comes from a place of of insecurity. insecurity. And, and and I know that as a psychologist, yeah. he'll claim the opposite, but it's where it comes from. Nobody would have said last year that Russell Wilson was particularly filled with humility. 
Right. This year, that's what they're saying now. Absolutely. And Sean Keeler had a clever turn of phrase at the end of his column today talking about Russell Wilson. He said, it isn't the heat, it's the humility. Humility is a play on words. Humility is a major factor of leadership. We'll come back and wrap things up from here. We'll talk a little nuggets who start a very, very long road trip in New Orleans tonight. That's next. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. College football tonight, as we've been discussing, and uh, a lot of viewing options, spectating options. Uh, Rick Perea, you're going to watch Cherry Creek, Creek and Mountain Vista. Mountain Vista. In the quarterfinals be, be of the state game. playoffs. Right. Yeah. So you're going to watch that. But uh, – you should be able to catch by 9.15, maybe the end of the first quarter, see yep. you, Washington State. So you'll be watching that. Uh, I'm going out to DU tonight for uh, uh, college hockey, the third-ranked Pioneers playing Omaha. And, uh, of course, it's a two-game set. Uh, starts at 7. And I figure it'll be over about the same time the Cherry Creek game is, yep. is over with. So uh, I'll, I'll go home and watch see you, Washington State after that. Before we go any further, I want to make mention of an event taking place tomorrow, and we talked about it on our podcast this week. On Wellness Wednesdays, we uh, have uh, a podcast with Dr. Rick Perea, and we uh, will continue to do that. Uh, That podcast will air on Mile High Sports from 5.30 to 6 p.m. every Wednesday afternoon uh, from here on out. Hopefully it's uh, a very long uh, run that we'll have with this podcast, but we had uh, Jerry Canaffle and – Jess Caldwell. Caldwell. Yep. Uh, the two high school girls basketball coaches at Arapahoe and Valor, respectively. And they'll be part of a charity event tomorrow at Arapahoe High School. Uh, doors open at four. I think the first game is at five, involving two other high schools Rangeview and Highlands Ranch. And then teams that have met before yeah. in the playoffs. Yep. Rivals, but now rivals in a different sort of way. Yeah. It'll be Valor against Arapaho. Yeah. And the cool thing, it's a foundation game. They're raising money for awareness, um, for suicide awareness. And the cool thing about it is they're going to mix the teams. You know, so it's not going to be Valor against Arapaho. Right. It's going to be Valor players mixed in with Arapaho players. And they're going to choose two different yeah. teams. Yeah. And they're going to play each other. And it's really cool. They've done this before, and I've never seen it, but I'm looking forward to seeing it. You'll be there. I'll be there. Yep. We're, we're going to speak. Sandy's going to speak, and we're going to talk a little bit about suicide awareness because it's something we have to continually be aware of. Um, as Sandy said, I'm going to watch Cherry Creek. The reason I'm going is my son is a junior um, starting defensive end there. Um, just three days ago, they had a girl um, attempt suicide in the restroom at school. Um, and so this is something that is – prevalent this touches everybody 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 and and we've got to continue 
to make it part of the normal discussion in mental health and wellness. And that's why we're having a Wellness Wednesday because we're going to talk not just about how athletes can get their, their thoughts right and shape their thoughts so they can perform better, but it's wellness off the, off the court, off the field. And especially with adolescents, you know, tomorrow, Sandy, I think is a golden opportunity for the community to come together at Arapahoe at 4 o'clock. There'll be a silent auction. Yep. There'll be, um, again, a skills challenge, and then also the girls will play. A really fun event. Um, one happened last night. I was actually a celebrity judge. Me and Bill Hanslick and uh, yeah. uh, what's the Randall dude that played at Creek? Um, Mark Randall. Mark Randall yeah. and then Drew Goodman and then me. Yeah. I, I guess I, I'm, I was out of place there, but we were the celebrity I judges. I saw the pictures. Yeah. You were not out of place. Though. <laughs> and, and, of and, you know, we the, you should have seen the community in that in that gym. Heritage yeah. in Arapahoe. Oh, yeah. And it was loud. It was packed. But it was fun. And you know what, Sandy? We got to have more fun with adolescents. You're exactly right. We and, have to have more fun in sports with adolescents. Yes, no yes. Doubt. And I and no I, doubt. I told uh, head coach Kevin Boley, the head coach of the boys' basketball team at Arapahoe, I said, "You helped so many people tonight in ways you'll never even know because they for two hours there was laughter. It was fun. I mean, me and Drew Goodman were were rolling on the ground, you know, with these cards, you know." rating these dunks you yeah. know yeah. so yeah. yeah thanks for bringing it up sandy and look forward oh, to seeing absolutely. you there tomorrow I look forward to it uh little talk as we close out uh, about uh the nuggets and uh you talked about winning earlier as a symptom of process yes i think the nuggets are winning that way yeah they absolutely are winning is what comes out of proper process. Yes. And it's a symptom it's of, a symptom. of that. Yep. And I think Jokic believes that. Mm -hmm. I think the head coach believes that. I think the team collectively believes that. I, I think of somebody like Christian Brown, who would understand that completely from having played the last two years on championship teams, mm -hmm. 22 at Kansas. 23 with the Nuggets. Yeah. Understands that winning is a symptom of process. Yeah. And I think Peyton Watson understands that. Here's a guy who hardly played, came off the bench at UCLA, a very good team, averaged, I think, less than three points a game. Mm. In his year at UCLA, the Nuggets drafted him in the first round, late in the first round, but right. in the first round after they had drafted Christian Brown, fairly late in the first round. And now with Reggie Jackson starting, they're the two lead guys coming off the bench. Yeah. For the Nuggets, who I think do understand winning isn't about having the best stats. Mm -mm. No. Even as we break down team stats after games, and we do that here a little bit, but that really isn't what leads to winning. The Nuggets played the Clippers the other night, and I was laughing. At the final score was 111 to 108. Three-point difference, right? And I looked at the stats, the team stats, and they were all basically even, some yeah. dead even, right? Yeah. And I'm looking at the stats. The Nuggets had one more three-point shot. Mm. And, or, mm -hmm. oh, no, I'm, I'm mistaken on that. It wasn't the night. It was another game, the game before that in Houston that they lost by three points. And Houston was 10 of 32 on threes, and the Nuggets were 9 of 32 on threes. Mm. That's how close the game was. But that wasn't what the game was won. It was one by Houston more than it was lost by the Nuggets. Yeah. This is a home game for Houston. 
Houston has a young team and a young coach who has a way of connecting with young players. Yeah, got Boston a couple of years ago to the NBA Finals, almost beat Golden State. Yeah. And now he's coaching a young Houston team, and he's brilliant. And he's got these young guys playing together and fired up when other guys do well. Yeah. He's got a whole team. He's got a bench. And, you know, they were anxious to prove themselves against the defending champions, and they did it. But the same kind of thing happened in reverse with the Nuggets beating the Clippers, where statistically pretty close game, but the Nuggets won not because they had more Hall of Famers. The Clippers have four Hall of Famers, yeah. future Hall of Famers. Right. Leonard's a Hall of Famer. Paul George's a Hall of Famer. Westbrook's a Hall of Famer. Harden's a Hall of Famer. Nuggets don't have four Hall of Famers. Yeah. They have one for sure in right. Jokic, but that's not four. But you, the team that wins doesn't have the most Hall of Famers all the time. Yeah, <laughs> but but culture is undefeated. Culture. Undefeated. Culture that's is undefeated. That's a great statement. And, and we've got Father, to remember Father, time, that. and culture yeah. are undefeated. They're undefeated. And, you know, the thing to think about, and w- this is, I'll point it out with Michael Malone, but with other yeah. teams as well, people will point to, well, why'd they win the championship? Oh, Jokic. Jamal Murray. Yeah. Oh, they had a great bench. What about Michael Malone developing as a coach? Yeah. Nobody and, ever talks about coaches developing. Right. And coaches growing. They I always know. talk about players. Exactly. Teams doing. And they say, oh, yeah, the coach. Yeah, well, he's important. But he just he, he just draws up the X's and O's. And, but, but you know this, no. Sandy. We develop CEOs. We develop head coaches. Right. We develop players. We do. You know, you you just because you're a head coach doesn't mean you know it all. In fact, the the guys who win the most they they're the ones calling. I I need some leadership training. I need some communication yeah. skills training. So, I think one of the things we'll point to in the future and historically is that Michael Malone made some shifts in 2017, yeah. 2018 in that period that really catapulted him. Right as a coach that led to this world championship. It's been a pleasure again today. We'll Absolutely. see you on Monday. We'll actually see you tomorrow. We'll see you tomorrow. Yeah. And uh, then again on Monday. And then again on Monday and again on Tuesday. We thank you for listening. Danny Bailey on the other side yep. of the glass. Danny, usual Danny's brilliant job. Is Danny's our, an all American man. By, by the first way, team, first team, all American. <laughs> I, I could not remember, although I read about him all day, who is now going to be quarterback in the Cincinnati Bengals. I go and ask Danny Bailey, could you look it up? You don't have to. Boom. It's Jake Browning. There you go. Out of Washington. <laughs> undrafted. I'm telling you. But if we're not careful, he'll be sitting here on Monday. Consensus All American. That's right. All right. We'll see you on Monday. All right, Four brother. to six, right back here on Mile High Sports. Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. <laughs> For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones 
who get it done.